Hello, I'm back. Like, properly back. I'm actually back. <laughs> Doing another season of the podcast. Season four. Uh, this is episode one, which is a Q&A episode. And coming up in the rest of this season... Oh, I've got all sorts planned. The next episode next week is going to be the... So before Christmas, which feels like an eternity ago, um, it is currently April 2023. So Christmas 2022, I ran a free online uh, CPD workshop. Well, it was actually a show-and-tell workshop, so quite a few people collaborated and uh, presented, which is absolutely brilliant. And so I held that just before Christmas, and I planned to get that released as a podcast episode, like... A lot quicker than I have done but I will finally be doing that uh, so that's the second episode of this season so that'll be out next week and then next week as well so the 25th of April in the evening I am actually doing my first live podcast recording which I'm really really looking forward to and that's with Debs who was actually in season three so have a listen to that as well because that was a brilliant conversation And we're going to be talking about the menopause. So I'm hoping this isn't too controversial. I think it's a bit kind of on trend at the moment to talk about the menopause. Um, But also just the reality of being a teacher while you're going through the menopause and what that means. And I'm really interested to hear whether schools have actually got policies in place, what kind of support people have, which is the reason why we're doing it as a live podcast episode, um, because we wanted people to join in and give their own experiences and thoughts and ideas while we're chatting. So I'm really, really looking forward to that. And I think it's a really, really important topic to talk about. Another live podcast episode that I'm hoping to do probably later in May is about teaching when you have young children. So I've Got one or two guests lined up for that. I'd be very happy to have somebody else if anybody has got small kids or has maybe come out the other end, the other side and would like to reflect um, and maybe reassure the rest of us that it does get better and easier. Uh, that would also be really great. So yeah, do get in touch if you would like to um, be a part of that. Or again, it's going to be a live podcast recording, so you'll be able to sign up for that on my website. It's all f- the the live podcast recordings are all free, so I think I've put it, yeah I put it under courses on my website. So if you just go to katelanguages.co.uk, click on online courses, and it's under the CPD. It's on the CPD tab of the online courses to sign up for the one with Debs. So you've got about a week or so to sign up for that. Like I say, it's free. I think we've already got about 40-something people <laughs> signed up, which is amazing. So, yeah, it should be a really, really good conversation. And then I will let you know when the other one is available to sign up. I just need to confirm a few details about that. Also, well, I'm going to talk about this a little bit today, but also um, I'm going to be talking about the new GCSE. So, as I say, it's April 2023 at the moment. There is a new GCSE on the horizon. So I'm going to be talking about my thoughts on that um and yeah all sorts all sorts of things coming up in the season and if you've got any ideas or suggestions for things that you would like me to talk about on the podcast if anybody would like to be a guest on the podcast then do get in touch kate at katelanguages.co.uk is probably the easiest way of getting in touch or you can contact me on facebook or Instagram. I am no longer on Twitter. And actually, that was something else I wanted to talk about. Um, I think I'm going to do a podcast episode on that as well. 
thinking about it is why I'm not on Twitter anymore and how I feel about social media, which I think is relevant to teaching because I think a lot of people use social media. Um, I know a lot of schools have accounts and things like that. So I just wanted to talk. Yeah, I'm going to be talking about the pros and cons of that. So that's another episode coming up this season as well. Okay, so as I say, this this first episode of season four is a Q&A episode. When I put a thing on Instagram to say, I'm doing a Q&A episode, has anyone got any questions? One of the first questions that came back was, how are you? Which I was, I was really touched. So for those who don't follow me on social media or don't know anything about me at all, or haven't even noticed that I've not been around for like four months, that's fine. We're all busy. I forgive you. <laughs> um, so I wasn't very well. I'm not going to go into masses of detail because it's just probably quite boring for other people. Uh, but I, so about 10 days, two weeks before Christmas, I, well, no, but a few weeks, a few days before Christmas, I ended up in hospital to rewind like two years. I've known for about two years that I had gallstones. Um, I'd had a couple of attacks no, a few, probably about six, um, over the years, but they just, they weren't too bad, like, they were really painful for a few hours, and then I was kind of fine, and then a couple of weeks before Christmas, I had another attack, and what I mean by attack is, I think it's when a a gallstone leaves your gallbladder, and it goes down your bile duct, and most of the time, like I say, when I've had these attacks, I think the stone has just cleared through, it's very, very painful, Honestly, it's the worst pain I've ever felt. It was horrendous. And this one, a couple of weeks before Christmas, got stuck. So the stone came out of my gallbladder and got stuck in my bile duct. And after about three days, um, I didn't go to hospital because they wouldn't send an ambulance, but that's like a whole other story. Anyway, and the, the pain kind of eased a bit, so I was like, oh, I'll be all right. And then after about three days, it was actually my sister who had just arrived from America looked at me and was like, your eyes are yellow. And I was like, okay. I do feel quite, I mean, I was really ill. I was in bed at the time. I felt absolutely terrible. She's like, do you think you might be jaundiced? So I had some blood tests, but actually, so that was on the Friday morning. And actually by that Friday afternoon, I was in in hospital in A&E and I'm not waiting for the blood test results because I I was feeling so ill. Ironically, it was meant to be having an appointment with the consultant on the Tuesday, which had been postponed since September. So I'd had about three appointments postponed. I was supposed to be having it on that Tuesday, by which time I was in hospital with jaundice. So, yeah. And yeah, I stayed in hospital for a few days, was discharged the day before Christmas Eve. So I did manage to spend Christmas at home with my family, even though I was feeling absolutely terrible. And then miraculously, somehow... My, the gallstone did actually clear my bile duct and I did start to feel a bit better but I was still feeling really really ill didn't have any contact from the hospital or my doctors or anything at all even though as far as they knew they'd discharged me the day before Christmas Eve with jaundice and we decided that we were going to have to bite the bullet and go private so we ended up going to the local private hospital. We got an appointment with a consultant within a couple of days and it would have been quicker, but one of those days was a bank holiday. And yeah, and then I had another MRI, various different things in any way. And I finally had my gallbladder taken out at the end of February. So I was quite ill for a few months, really. 
Um, I said I wasn't going to go into much detail. I feel like that's quite a lot of detail. Sorry if you're listening to this while eating your breakfast or something. Anyway, so yeah, I've had my gallbladder out. I had a couple of weeks of recovering from that and genuinely feel so much better than I have done for ages. So in answer to the question, how are you? As I said, it was a lovely question for people to ask me. I am feeling so much better. So, so, so much better. Yeah, like I was saying about the podcast, I've got loads of really exciting things planned. And we've got lots of other things um, in the pipeline as well, uh, including, I should have said this at the beginning as well, maybe, including a an online CPD workshop that I'm doing with Erica, who is the Spanish tutor, um, who teaches my Spanish online courses for uh, MFL teachers. She and I are going to be doing a CPD session on positive behaviour management. So behaviour management, but not like yelling and shouting and being mean and punishing children, <laughs> like how to develop positive relationships with your, ch- with your children, with your students, um, and how that um, can even help with things like uptake for GCSE, and various different things like that. Erica is an amazing teacher. The atmosphere that she creates in her online classes with the teachers are just, it's just lovely. Like they all love it. They love her. They love being in the class. They really enjoy it. So I can only imagine that she's exactly the same with her teenagers, you know, her secondary school pupils that she teaches. So it's going to be a really, really good session. So again, if you go to the website, katelanguages.co.uk and it's under online courses and that's in CPD. Um, and that will be on Saturday the 13th of May. I'm really, really looking forward to doing that. If you, Even if you can't make it, as with all my things, even if you can't make it, sign up because we do record it and then you can watch it back in your own time. So, yeah, so that's that. The second question that I was asked is, are you going to make resources for the new GCSE? And then another question that someone asked me was, what are your thoughts on the new GCSE? So about the resor- making resources for the new GCSE, yes, I am. I've already spent quite a lot of time going through. So, so far at the time of recording, they have released the specification and sample assessment materials for French only. As far as I've, I, I haven't seen any for Spanish or German yet. And I've started to have a really good look through them, a good read of them. I'm focusing mainly on AQA and Edexcel, but I am looking at Educast as well. This time around, I really, really want to do really comprehensive resources for all three exam boards. I'll probably start with AQA. I did a bit of a Twitter poll, not a Twitter, I'm not on Twitter. I did an Instagram poll and the majority, well, majority, I'd say most people are still doing AQA. It seems to be the most popular still. It's the one that I kind of know the best as well. Uh, so I'll start with AQA and do some Excel, and I am really, really going to try and do Educast. WJEC, I know, is related to Educast, but from what I understand, it is all a bit different again. And obviously, I mean, not obviously, but I don't speak Welsh, so that could be an issue as well. So I'm just sticking with what I can do and what I know for now. So, I, yeah, I am. I've already I've started doing a writing workbook already. Um, it's quite difficult at the moment because there are only draft specimen it's like it's a draft specimen specification whatever and specimen um assessment materials all that kind of stuff it's still only a draft so there are there is a chance that it could all change 
So, um, yeah, so I'm kind of tentatively doing a little bit, trying to figure out the structure of it. And I, I'm going to do a whole podcast episode on the new GCSE because I think there's so much to unpick. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it is interesting. My So the other question was, what are your thoughts on the new GCSE? And in general, I'd say they're quite positive. And like I say, I'm going to talk about it more in a future podcast episode. The other thing relating to me making the resources for the new GCSE is that also relates to a really difficult decision I've made, but I'm happy with my decision, that I'm not going to be doing the online courses for MFL teachers anymore after this term. So I'm doing this summer term running from April through to June, which you can still sign up for if you're listening to this when it comes out or within a week or two of it coming out. So again, katelanguages.co.uk and it's online courses and it's the teacher courses language courses I think the tab is and you can still sign up for those um I usually keep registration open up until the first lesson of each course uh so they're starting today Monday the 17th of April and they will be running until the end of June and then after that I'm not going to be doing them anymore and I made that decision for many many reasons a lot of it to do with family life which is another reason I thought it'd be interesting to do a podcast about working and teaching with uh, a young family because I yeah as I don't know for me it's changing an awful lot it was almost easier when he was a baby and now my child is now three Uh, I don't know how these kids get so big so quickly and at nursery a lot more and actually the way that our routine shifting, I need to be doing work that I can do during the day. So things like writing resources, doing bespoke one-to-one tutoring and CPD, but still only with teachers. So I'm not going to be teaching kids, like any, you know, children, like doing GCSE tutoring or anything like that. I'm teaching teachers. So still teachers who maybe need to learn a language or improve a language but actually doing it during the day and um so for example having their ppa time protected so that they can have a lesson with me once a week once a fortnight whatever over the easter holidays i did some online one-to-one cpd talking to somebody about uh, curriculum planning for spanish gcse so that kind of thing so if that's something that you want to do, by the way, do get in touch. Um, again, email is usually the easiest case at katelanguages.co.uk and we'll see what we can figure out because, yeah, so that's the way I'm going with that. I am making lessons for some... I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about it yet. They have launched, so I probably can, um, but my lessons aren't up there yet. So I'll tell you about them in a couple of weeks when it's all up there and it's all, you can go and have a look. So I'm making some lessons for another company as well. And I'm going to be focusing a lot on resources for the new GCSE because I think that's going to be something that's going to be really, really important and people are really going to need and want. So I'm going to be doing uh, more of that kind of thing. So working during the day. So yes, I am making resources for the new GCSE. And actually, that's really going to be my focus over the next year and probably, I don't know, probably a couple of years. So it's first teaching September 2024, first exams 26. My thoughts on the new GCSE really, really quickly. So 
as I say, I'm still kind of researching it and looking through it and trying to get my head around it. I actually don't think it's as different as we might have thought from the beginning with all the consultation and everything. I I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I can't even be bothered with this. It's, I just can't be able to get my head around it. But I actually don't think it's going to be that different. The main thing is this vocab list of 1200 or 1700, I think the numbers are, of the most common words. And I think moving to that as opposed to topics is going to be really difficult. But I've noticed in the sample specifications that, pe that the exam boards have already kind of got all the vocab and sort of figured out like what kind of broader themes and topics the words fit into um so yeah i i think probably it's going to be very similar topics to what you've always taught what you've always um talked about what i love actually in the vocab list that i've noticed so far so i'm really i'm really only focusing on um so aqa one of the topics is identity and relationships and I've started with that and one of the things I noticed is there's lots of vocabulary for um, words like um, bisexual I think is in there um, let me just have a look I've got it in front of me here non-binary is in there trans so things like that and I just think well that's brilliant because these things are really important and really necessary in today's world and I think it's great to actually bring the vocabulary into the 21st century finally um so there are some really really good things about the vocabulary so anyway I'm going to talk about that in a lot more detail in the, in another episode the other things quick things I wanted to say are I really like the fact that the speaking and writing rubrics are all in English and all the questions and the listening and reading all seem I think are going to all, all going to be in English as well <laughs> Honestly, when I was making the resources for the current GCSE, the role plays are just so bonkers. I remember, like, I've been, you know, oh, my gosh, trying to come up with bullet points. And I think, to be fair, my resources, I think, A, are nowhere near as bonkers as the actual ones that they all came up with for the actual exams. But also, I think I've probably, I probably gave too much information or conjugated verbs when I wasn't supposed to or something like that. I mean honestly it was so hard to do that I actually did a Spanish GCSE oral exam in a local school where they only taught French in the local school but this girl was a Spanish native speaker so she I I didn't tutor her or anything I did actually tutor another girl in that school but also I did just went in and did a Spanish GCSE oral exam with this girl and honestly as a native speaker, the role play didn't make any sense. And I was just like, oh my gosh, if she can't even figure this out, you know, what hope does anyone else have? And she was in year 11 doing French GCSE, so she'd been trained, as it were, to do the role plays, but in the Spanish, and it, honestly, it didn't make any sense at all. It was so weird. So the conversation must have sounded very strange. So yes, yeah, so I'm glad that that's all changing. That's all gone. The other big difference and again this is something that I'm going to have to look into and research a bit more is the dictation element which part of me feels is a little bit old-fashioned because it's a little bit like O-level that my parents did back in the 60s or whenever they did their O-levels but I don't know it could be a good thing I think it's going to disadvantage French students Spanish and German 
Um, it's a lot easier. And I know this from experience because the last school that I taught at, we did dictations because we felt that it was a, it, it is a really useful thing to do. I don't know how useful it is to do in an exam. It is a really useful thing to do as a teaching tool. And we did, um, the, we taught French, German and Spanish. And I just remember my French classes like this. It's so hard. It is so, so, so hard to do dictation in French. It really tests your grammatical knowledge. So I don't know how lenient they're going to be with, you know, verb endings or adjectival endings and things like that. I'm not sure. But for Spanish and German, it is because they're much more phonetic. It's a lot easier. So as I keep as I keep saying, I will be talking about this in a lot more detail in another episode. So I'm going to leave that question there now and move on to question three, which somebody asked me on Instagram as well. And this is a really nice question. This is a bit more of a personal thing. Um, who was your favourite teacher when you were at school? Which I love. And I, I've been thinking about this for ages. So first of all, I have to say, my mum taught me A-level German. So I've got to say she was my favourite teacher, obviously. And I, yeah, so I was just thinking about an answer to this. My, I had some really lovely primary school teachers, I remember. Just like really lovely. Some lots of nice ones. But some really lovely primary school teachers. And then my first French teacher was called Mrs. Davis. I went to middle school from uh, from year five to year eight. And this was, she was my year six form tutor, but she was also the French teacher. And so we started French in year six and she was great. And I still remember songs that she taught us. Um, there's one about ER verbs, which I'm not going to sing for you now, but I remember it very well. And that was really good. And yeah, she was really great. Then when I went up to upper school in year nine, I did have some good teachers. I'm going to say, and this is awful. And I'm really sorry to my languages teachers. They're lovely. But I don't know. I don't feel like one of them really stood out. And I don't feel like I had that, like, this languages teacher is the person who really inspired me to want to study languages and to continue with languages. As I said, my mum taught that. She was a languages teacher there. So I don't know if that kind of inspired me. Sometimes I think I just did languages because I found them really easy. And I I was, I mean, I enjoyed them and I love speaking foreign languages and stuff. So, you know, I'm, I love language. But actually, when I was thinking about my upper school, my, I think my favourite teacher was my English teacher. And she was quite a sort of like vegan, hippie kind of... Like I remember she, well, this is like in the 90s and she wore like big Doc Martens to school, which I think, I don't know, for like, you, I don't know if you'd get away with that these days. Um, and she, yeah, she was just kind of cool. And I loved English and weirdly didn't do it for A-level. I did history and French and German. But um, yeah, she was great. And we, yeah, we enjoyed, we enjoyed her lessons, enjoyed being taught by her. Well, I've got to say, I only got a B for English literature. So she was great. I don't, know. I don't know if she was the best teacher. Um, so, yeah, it was actually my worst GCSE grade. And then I was also thinking about what other teachers I had, like lecturers and professors at university, and I think they are probably the most inspiring people who I've been taught by, just from their love of their subject and their passion. And there's two in particular. One, I went to Nottingham University. One of my German professors professor woods i'm pretty sure he's called professor woods was an expert in east germany and he was just brilliant he was absolutely amazing and i remember one of my friends who also did german and i would choose the modules 
that he taught because we loved him so much and he was so interesting. And I, I've always found East German history absolutely fascinating as well. So he was a fantastic. And then uh, one of my French lecturers, oh my gosh, what the hell was her name? Nikki something. Oh no, that's terrible. Can't remember her name. And she taught francophone literature. And again, I just did all her modules. I remember I did a module with her in, in the second year and then came back from my year abroad and signed up for both of the modules that she was teaching in the fourth year. And I did uh, Caribbean francophone literature. I did North African francophone literature and Sub-Saharan. And it was just brilliant. And the, the books were absolutely fabulous. And yeah, she was great. And again, it's just this passion and just, you know, so... Yeah. And then I have to mention Zoltan. When I did my master's, he was my tutor. He was my, um, what do you call it? Like when I did my dissertation, he was my um, supervisor. That's the word. And I applied and got a little way along the road of doing a PhD with him. And then I just, I just couldn't do it. it I just couldn't fit it in with everything else. So, yeah, so sadly, that's where my, my relationship with Zoltan ended. But he was absolutely amazing. Zoltan Dornier. And he's written some brilliant books about motivation and language teaching and language learning. Um, and one of my favourite ever books that I always recommend to people called Group Dynamics in the Language Classroom, which was one of the modules that I did with him on my master's, which when I've looked at it, look for it on Amazon, it's like insanely expensive. It's a really thin book, but it is so good. It's so interesting. So there you go. That's quite a long answer to who's my favourite teacher. Uh, but loads. I'd love to know other people's favourite teachers as well and who you were inspired by. So yeah, get in touch, let me know. And then the last question I'm going to answer today is from, again, from someone on um, Instagram, from Joe, who said, what's the most interesting place you have used your language skills? And I was like, that is a brilliant question. And I did put that question out there. To other people I got one response which is actually from my husband because he's I mean he's always replying to my Instagram stories and things like that um he did study languages he studied French and Spanish but he doesn't use them every day in his job he works in communications and his answer was he once had to translate an El Pais article on HS2 for the Secretary of State for Transport which was then read out in Parliament which he said I didn't have didn't have space to write that on Instagram but it was read out in parliament so I thought I'd share that here a bit more detail which on the surface I think people might have seen that on Instagram and just thought like okay whatever but it's true he used to work for the department for transport and obviously they must have known that he spoke Spanish and there was an El País article I guess maybe this was in the in the time before it was all online and you could use Google Translate I'm not sure anyway so yeah so he did that but I just think that's one of the interesting things about languages, isn't it? Is that you can study languages. You don't have to use them every day in your job. But there are so many opportunities out there for you to, you know, use them a little bit and they help with your understanding. And so he, you know, my husband would have had a cultural understanding of where the Spanish were coming from with, with that article, for example, that you wouldn't get on Google Translate. So he'd be able to interpret the article as much as translate it. So, yeah, that's a good one. And then Joe, who actually sent um, the question to me, 
told me her answer to this. So the most interesting place she'd use her language skills. This is an absolutely brilliant story. So it's her friend's 30th birthday in Blackpool. Lots of tasks, including getting a picture of some kids having an egg and spoon race on the beach. My team approached a family. They looked confused, spoke in broken English, explaining they didn't really understand as they were German. No problem. I switched to German. People with me had no idea and weren't linguists. And needless to say, said picture was taken. An egg and spoon race tradition explained. I mean, it was poor Joe. I love this as well, Joe. Like how on earth you managed to explain egg and spoon race in German. That's amazing. So egg and spoon race tradition explained and happy German family thought we were crackers, but loved every minute, which I just absolutely love. And again, it's just this, this thing of just like using your languages in really, really random situations. Um, so I was trying to think of like, you know, funny, not, I mean, maybe not funny, but situations in which I've used my languages. And I've come up with a couple. One was, so I very occasionally do do translation work, like very, very occasionally. And a couple of years ago, somebody contacted me saying, could, could I translate some um, official French documents? And I was like, well, yes, but... Um, it's just a kind of, it's not an official translation. Like I don't have any kind of certification or anything. And they said, well, it's a death certificate and then some more information around. And I was just like, okay, it was an undertaker who contacted me. It wasn't some random person. Um, it was an undertaker and they, they needed these documents translated into English so that they could proceed with the funeral arrangements and all that kind of stuff. It was actually really interesting to, re and it was, I have to say, I had to look up an awful lot of vocabulary and kind of double check stuff that I was like, uh, okay, I think this means this, but I'm just going to double check it. And it was the case. Um, so yeah, it was a British guy who had died in France and was brought back to the UK. And then it was, yeah, it was all to do like the death certificate and the um, funeral proceedings and all that kind of stuff so that was probably the most interesting sort of like <laughs> translation type thing I've done and then another one a friend of mine just randomly contacted me and she's like my granddad's in hospital in France and my grandma doesn't speak any French and my like none of my family really speak any French and we, we don't really understand what's going on is there any chance you could phone the hospital and try and get some information from them? And she was like, just pretend to be me. Say you're his granddaughter. So I probably shouldn't be admitting this, should I? I won't tell you who it was who did it. And yeah, so, so I phoned the hospital and try, and I, I struggled to get much information, which is probably a good thing. Um, but I think I got enough that I could kind of reassure the family and give them a little bit of information. And again, just being able to do that for people um it's just I don't know it's just nice to you know that you know that you can do these kind of things to help people so that was another sort of interesting situation in which I used my language skills and then also obviously like being abroad and using them here there and everywhere is always great um, and my favorite one is being able to speak to my husband in French or Spanish and our when we don't want our son to understand or just using like one word um, which my mum did with my grandma when I was a kid, and I hated it when I was a kid, but luckily I think our kids, like I say, he's three, so I don't know, he'll cotton on soon though, and then he'll start to know what the words mean. <laughs> so anyway, 
Um, but yeah, and again, I would love to know other people's stories about interesting times um, that they've used their language skills. So get in touch and let me know. So there you go. That's my Q and A little episode. Lots and lots and lots of exciting things coming up. As I said, next week's episode will be this long-awaited, probably only really from me, probably not from anyone else, long-awaited release of the Games and MFL CPD workshop that I ran. Just need to say, it is actually on my website. I think it's under all the free resources. So there's a tab on my website, um, a menu for free resources, and you can click on that, and all the free resources are there. I'm pretty sure it's there. If not, it's definitely a blog post about it. And that then if you... So that's the video and the PowerPoint and stuff like that as well. So if you can't even wait a week uh, to listen to that podcast episode, then you can always have a little look at it online. And I'd recommend the you know, having a look on my website and downloading the PowerPoint anyway, because there are samples of each of the games, which will be really, really handy, I think, for people, because they're all games that can be used across all different types of vocab and topic and year groups and languages and everything. So they're really, really good. So there we go. I will be back next week. Until then, have a lovely week. It's first week of summer term for most people, I think. So bon courage. Hope it all goes well. And I will see you in a Au revoir. Auf Wiedersehen. Adios. Bye.